Welcome to Sports, Clicks, and Politics with your hosts, Ben Husong and me, Sean Hannon. Welcome to episode 67, an episode two weeks in the making, Mr. Husong. Thank you for your patience as I took a little family vacation. Yeah, how was uh, how was the vacay? Uh, don't give me any specifics uh, or any whatever. Dox yourselves, but uh, <laughs> did you have a good time? Great time. Um, went down at Disney World, as mm-hmm. a matter of fact. So we spent a couple days there, and then went and visited. Some I heard there's some freedom down in Florida. Uh, listen, it's weird. Like yes. Disney Describe World, Florida. there's none by okay. the way at all. Like mass everywhere it's you're like inside. Mini New York. It's crazy. Um, Florida. So Florida has way more people wearing masks than I would have guessed. At least okay. where I was in Tampa. Like, we went to the grocery store a few times when we were there. And, I mean, it was – I was in the minority, and I was kind of shocked because all I hear on the news right, is yeah. how nobody's doing anything in Florida, and that's why their cases got so crazy. Like, uh, nope. I walked into the grocery store with my brother-in-law, and a guy was walking out with a mask. And I can't be 100% sure, but I'm reasonably sure as I was walking in, he was walking out, and he actually said as he walked by me, I hope you get covid and walked out of the store. And I was like, what just happened? So even. I was I was kind of taken aback. Like, man, I thought I was out of New York State at this point. But hmm. uh, for all of the lack of mandates, I'll tell you right now, it. I would say there's more people wearing masks from the limited amount I saw in Florida, from going out to ice cream, going out to grocery stores, that kind of stuff. More people wearing masks in Florida than are wearing them here. A higher percentage of people. Than I, I wonder saw. if that's because they're just coming out of their flu season. I think or it kind is. of this. So like they kind of used to that at that point. So maybe they were on on. Uh, more uh, focused attention there, I guess, if you will. But or it's other- like this old the, the old paradigm is true of like just because the government's not mandating the masks doesn't mean people aren't wearing them. Sure, people right. who oh, want to yeah. wear them are still wearing yeah, them for sure, for sure. And it was a lot of people. And so, anything else happened over the two weeks? There's a. I, I mean, mean uh, no news happened. So obviously, was, was nothing. Bored. Yeah, nothing, nothing at all happened that way. Um, no, it was great. My okay. kids had a great time, and that's like my biggest thing is I love watching my kids have fun. I could take yeah. or leave Disney World. I don't, I don't dislike it. I don't like it. It's fine. Uh, but my kids had a blast, which was wonderful. I had a great time with my wife. My in-laws came, too. That was fun. Traveling with a mask on is dumb, but everywhere in the airport, it's people are like half. People were better compliance in Florida than they were in the airports. Now, on a plane, everybody kept the mask on the whole time. But in the airports, it was so hit and miss. People had masks like up on their forehead and stuff. Nobody's saying a word. You're like, yeah, hey, whatever. But uh, it was weird yeah. all the way around. It was yeah. weird to wear a mask again. And I've been thinking since it's been so long since I wore a mask, like maybe I'd made it out to be worse in my head than it really is. And it wasn't that big of a deal. It's not. It's just as bad as I remember it being. Both from a, like, it's just there all the time and continually breathing onto it is, I don't care who you are, eventually it starts to smell really bad in the mask. You walk into a bathroom with a mask on and immediately, like, after that conversation with Megan Mansfield, like, oh, I don't want to do this. Yeah. And I just, like, oh, yeah, I got it. Like, put your mask on, sir. Like, my bad. So sorry. Jesus. Give me a break. I'm, I'm working on it. So stuff like that, still a pain. I still don't want to wear the stupid things. Well, at least you'll have you'll have that for the story list of the traveling during the pandemic and all that stuff going forward. Yeah. So you can tell your uh, kids when they're old enough to remember all this. Yeah, during the most deadly pandemic of that year, I went to Disney World with you. Yeah. All right. Well, before we get into some of the news topics of the day, uh, hopefully all the subscribers uh, are back here today and uh, joyous to have us back on the air. 
You can show us that by uh, hitting that like button, sharing the video, becoming a subscriber, and uh, hitting that notification bell. Get new uh, notified when we have new content. And everybody out there listening to the audio podcast, uh, you can uh, give a five-star rate and review. Let's talk a little sports, if you will. I like sports. Um, Ryder Cup? Did you watch any of that? USA. Yeah. USA. They killed him. It was like 19 and 9. Yeah. They, uh... <laughs> You know, I, I think the Europeans have this, uh, and I'm not saying it's not well-deserved. They have this, they like, it's always theirs to lose, but the on paper, I mean, this was a, I mean, it looked like it should have been 19 to nine, right? So like, I mean, but it seems to look like that most years when they play the Ryder Cup. And because of that, uh, I don't know, there's always this uh, uh, idea that the, the Euros are a team, like they're more of a team, you know what I mean? Like and the indivi- USA, is, the US a is a bunch of individuals, right? Sure. So that, that's why the Europeans always win. But sometimes talent just wins out, and these guys, I mean, literally, they, they're, I think the world ranking of the whatever players was like, average was like eight. Like, I mean, they're, <laughs> like, they're the, literally the best players in the world on all on the same team. But, um, and they beat them up pretty good, 19-9. to nine, That was in uh, Whistling Straits in uh, Wisconsin. So uh, two years ago, two years from now, we get to go to Rome. Not Rome, New York, Mr. Hughesong. Rome, Italy. Well, I mean, we. Are we covering the Ryder Cup live for the show? Is that what's happening? That'd be here? great. If, if, if in two years, if we're covering the Ryder Cup live, I'd we, say we call that a success. Yes, yes. We've made it. That's not really a possibility right now. No. No. Ow. No. Definitely not. Um, but like you said, you know, I, I don't know. Dustin Johnson, I guess, was the, uh, the, the, the star of the show. He was the old man on the team, too, but he was 5 and 0. Got a bunch done. of rookies. I mean, I mean, it. it you call him rookies, but it's like Colin Morikawa. Yeah, he's like one major, and right. you know, he's like all these guys. Like Bryson DeChambeau was a rookie, or, or maybe this is the second one. But anyway, most of these guys were in their first or second Ryder Cups, and so they looked like they were the young team, and the crafty Europeans were going to be the team, and they were going to show how to win, but not didn't happen. So didn't materialize. Yeah, I got you. Let's talk. Uh, what about NFL Week Three? Your Bills—they look good. They look a lot better than they looked Week One. Yeah, what happened? The Steelers are pathetic. How did you guys lose to the Steelers? <laughs> <laughs> Terrible. Uh, Josh Allen got a massive contract and decided that that meant he had to throw a 40-yard touchdown on every single play from scrimmage. And Brian Dabble, the offensive coordinator, was more than happy to oblige and kept calling for 35-yard passes. I mean, the Bills look good. Their offense look really good. I mean, they're playing Washington, so I'm not sure how to I mean, rate listen. or rank that uh, performance, but it's uh, clearly a step in the right direction. I'd say they the Dolphins are not as good of a team as the Bills, and the Bills beat them 35-0, and then the, the Washington football team is not as good as the Bills, and the Bills handled them pretty yeah. pretty solidly. I, it's very reassuring that like they, they're coming back to form, and they're starting to get it again, and the play calling has gotten better. The defense looks vastly superior to last year. I mean, I think you've already won the division. I, it's looking pretty okay. good. <laughs> Even with the loss of the Steelers, how'd, how'd that happen? That's going to be your like you're, you're going to want to like you're going to be like fifteen and one. You're like I'm going to lose to the Steelers. Listen, they're going to go sixteen and one, win the Super Bowl, like win the perfect season, except for this one inexplicable loss. No, I have my terrible towel ready. <laughs> uh, just so we're all clear, I don't actually think any of that's going to happen. No. What about the rest of the NFL? Uh, Rams look really good. I think that uh, has worked out. Matt Stafford relocating from uh, Detroit to Los Angeles Rams there. I mean, that looks, they look really good. I mean, their defense has always been kind of top tier. Yep. And, you know, Goff seemed to be not, uh, he seems okay as a quarterback in the NFL, but I don't think he has the skill set that Stafford has. And Stafford really kind of has fallen in love with Cooper Cup and the, the receivers. And if they get, if they can just get any kind of a run game and their defense, I mean, they're, I don't know if it's theirs to lose. Like, I'm not thinking they're going to be 16-0 and or whatever either. But um, 
They look like the team to beat right now, maybe? Uh, probably. I haven't done a power ranking yet, so maybe next week I'll start that. But they look right. They should be in the consideration. So the, the Rams, the Buccaneers are still, I mean, listen, yeah, you lost the game, but you didn't have Antonio Brown. Like, you, you had some stuff going on, and every team's going to, so I'm not trying to make excuses. But on any given day, I've learned not to bet against Tom Brady. Uh, so the Rams, the Buccaneers, the Bills. Chiefs have been surprisingly disappointing so yeah, far. Chiefs this year. one and two. I mean, they turned the ball over their first three possessions of the game. It's hard to come back from that. It is. They, they didn't. So the Chargers actually look really good too, though. So the Raiders. Yeah, the Raiders look good. I mean, there's so some new blood maybe. Yeah. near the top. AFC West is making a push for being the toughest division in football. Teddy Bridgewater. Can, like, are they three and zero? Yeah. And they're a joke, but they're three and zero. Who's a more who's a more of a joke three and zero though? The Broncos or the Panthers? Sam Darnold. <laughs> the Panthers, for sure. But I listen, I'm still a believer in Sam Darnold. I think Sam Darnold is going to be a good quarterback. Like, wait, a the good Panthers system. have played, I think the Panthers have played the Jets, the Giants, and the Jaguars. I think that's right. That's pretty. That's a great opening schedule. That's three, like, I mean, they're 3 0. What are you going to do? That's I like mean. when college teams set it up against like Liberty and, and all these other barely D1 schools to like get themselves right. That's what Carolina's schedule has been. But again, Sam Darnold, in my opinion, is a good quarterback. The Jets are just a dumpster fire of an organization. And him going there was awful for him and him leaving there was the best thing that could have possibly happened. I still can't believe the Jets didn't trade out of their pick just to go get more picks and build up a roster, like get an offensive line, get Sam Darnold on board and get one skill position player. You could have rebuilt your organization. Yeah, I mean, I think, that, you know, as you pointed out, I'm not going to try to second guess. It's like trying to guess irrationality, right? I mean, I don't know. These guys are, are crazy. I don't know. I, the Jets are terrible for sure. Um I don't know. The, char- the Chargers look pretty good, though. I mean, you know, Legit. I know obviously they had they had the benefit of uh, the turnovers there early, but <clears throat> that quarterback looks good. Herbert there, they Allen and 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 Mike Williams both look like really really good receivers. And Eckler is like your typical like he's a your perfect dual running back, right? Yeah. So like they're if, they're, if their defense can be uh, 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 worthy, then maybe they can uh, uh, you know kind of take control of the AFC. But that, that the West, yeah, uh, they're they're loaded. Listen, I think it bodes well for the Bills if I can bring it back to my my sure. local heart here, um, because the AFC West is going to be a very hard division. The AFC East is not. The AFC East is looking more and more like a one horse race. Love uh, if you were going to bet odds right now on who's going to win the AFC East, and you said somebody other than the Bills you would be demanding pretty good odds. Like, you're not making that bet straight up. Yeah. Because they just look so much better than the other teams. I mean, the Patriots are the Patriots. You never want to count them out. Mac Jones may develop into a, a, a truly great quarterback. Yeah, I don't know. All those rookie there. quarterbacks took a beating this week. All of them. Yeah, they are. And, and good. I mean, listen, it's part of the growth process. you got to take it. Josh Allen's rookie year was not exactly pretty. I mean, it was ugly no, in a I, lot of no, ways. No, and, and I haven't watched all these rookie quarterbacks, but I feel like people who were watching Josh, Josh Allen in week one or we, in year one were like, okay, there's flashes of kind of, you know, he's going to be good kind of thing. Hey, so you like to this. think you see some of those flashes, some of these rookie quarterbacks, and it's only week three, so, but. It'll, it'll develop, so I do think that as the AFC West beats each other up and the Bills can count on, I shouldn't say can, can count on, you would reasonably expect the Bills are going to have a very good divisional record Whereas any team coming out of the West is going to have a much harder path into the playoffs. So that bodes well for the Bills. If you can get six division wins and everybody else is struggling to get four, and then you lose to the Steelers. And a conference loss. 
That that's going to lost you. A, that's going to cost you a home field, whole home game. You watch at the I end. Hope not. I, I'm counting on the AFC West just beating each other up, and it's all going to be fine. We didn't mention the Cardinals. They look really good too. They do look good. So yeah. I mean, Murray's great. So we'll see. Uh, what is it? Philly uh, Eagles Cowboys tonight. Cowboys Eagles. That should be fun. Trying to think of a game that it should be more exciting that I could care less about than the Cowboys. Oh, no, we didn't Eagles. talk about Aaron Rodgers last night. I didn't see it last night. Yeah, I got, 30, home got the ball back for 37 seconds, won the game. You know, shocking. Did you see freaking the goat, by the way, Justin Tucker? The Okay, we switched to kicking all of a sudden, I mean, which is fine. But I was just talking about highlights from the weekend. So oh, you mean Aaron Rodgers? But he literally, I mean, if I've, I've joked, and I mean, not even joked, but I've literally said that Justin Tucker is the greatest kicker of all time. Whatever that means, that it, like I think he really is the greatest kicker of all I time. I agree. This just gives him a punctuation onto his career, right? The sixty-six yard game-winning field goal literally hits the crossbar, bounces up and over through. But I mean, are we going to talk about the fact that the play clock had expired for two full seconds? I'm just before saying, the snap? <laughs> it clearly went through the goalpost. <laughs> all right, all we're just going to look the other way on that and act yeah. like that, that so. snap was on time. So fair enough. But yeah, on the flip side of that, an interesting week though. Yeah. Oh my god! Yeah, and there's a lot some of good games. Bad football. Like the yeah. Jaguars are bad. Yeah, but they're I mean, they got so many. They're I mean, fun. they're they're young players. I mean, I'm not I'm not sure Urban Meyer's an NFL coach yet, but um, I, I do think Trevor Lawrence probably has upside. So we'll see. I agree. Jets bad. Jets are bad. Giants Giants bad. I mean, they lost again on that on another field goal, right? So Falcons are bad. Yeah, there's some bad teams. Well, we'll do the maybe we'll do the power rankings. I'll do my bottom five. All right, I'll do the top we'll start five that next week. week. Right. I'm gonna have to watch more football. Also, things we'd like to talk about here. Uh, not really Twitter, but Bitcoin. I like Bitcoin. Bitcoin is now going to be uh, uh, part of a tipping function within Twitter. So uh, I'm not sure that actually us in New York are going to be able to We're abide not, by I this. that already. We're not allowed. I think Strike is the third-party uh, platform that's kind of facilitating these tippings, and that's not allowed in New York yet. But anyway, or Hawaii. Shocking. So, or Hawaii. There we yeah. go. So the other 48 states... Um, get to participate in this tipping procedure uh, protocol or whatever uh, via Twitter where they can basically, you know, tip your, instead of just liking or retweeting or quote tweeting or commenting, they can also tip your, your, your stuff. Cool. I guess. Seems weird. Yeah. I had a good I'm not t- opposed. I'm not, I'm not much of a, I, mean, I, I, I like to play on Twitter a lot, but I had a well uh, retweeted tweet the other day because Tom Woods and another Hundred thousand follower uh, account retweeted it, so nice. all of a sudden I became mini famous. For you a were Twitter, Twitter famous. I wish I had tipping. That would have been a nice time to have tipping. Yeah, I blew. It. I missed it. So everybody donated, but I do think that kind of helps. Uh, you know, we talk about uh, wh- you know where's the value in Bitcoin. People talk about it as a store of value as opposed to ever being used in transactions because the price volatility is so much that it doesn't allow for people to want to part with their Bitcoin. But we'll see. This is kind of like a intro to uh, some kind of an experiment, whether or not that'll actually happen. Right? I'm on board. I mean, do you think that people are going to use that? Sure. I mean, it, it, there's some novelty of it too. First, right? So people just use it just to use it. Right. But I don't know. I mean, I think if they. If it does get used, it does help uh, stabilize the price of Bitcoin compared to the U.S. dollar a little bit because it's going to be anything you could do to make Bitcoin usage more common would be helpful for that battle. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I don't know. This, even Bitcoin is only 10 years old, so it's, it's so early in this whole thing. But yeah, um, a step forward for them. Uh, you know, they uh, did you see the uh crypto uh, tom brady commercials last night 
Oh, I saw him. I saw him a few weeks ago. Oh, okay, the new one's out. I saw him. Yeah, hey, I don't know. I don't like, know are you in? Out. Are you in? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the one. Does he still hate you? Yeah, yeah. I've seen that. That's a good commercial. They yeah. did well. That's almost as good as the lost coverage in Gronk telling to come to Tampa Bay, and then he's like, "Mom, where are my football pants?" I think that's my favorite one going right now. Yeah, it's impossible to not like Rob Gronkowski. It's just it is. I'm sorry. Anybody that dents the Vince Lombardi Trophy hitting a pitch at Fenway Park, you, you're okay in my book. I don't know. I mean, like, God love you. I told you, I, I I met Rob Gronkowski when he was like eight. Yes. He was still probably tackling people at the company function, function that we were at. <laughs> um, all right. Let's talk about one of our other subjects away from uh, crypto. You know, we forgot that I, I wanted to just throw this out in sports. I sent you the article and we didn't, and I don't want to talk about it too much. Did you see Andrew Wiggins? Yeah, that's crazy. He's not going to be able to play in home games. Andrew Wiggins can't play in home basketball games for the Golden State Warriors. I think it's the San Francisco County, whatever county yes. he's in. And they have a mask mandate for the arena. Yes. So he's unvaccinated, so he's not allowed to play in home games. Can we talk about a, the stupidity of this of this measure overall of of not allowing for a testing requirement? Of like, if I show up with a negative test demonstrating I definitely do not have COVID, you show up with a vaccine that doesn't stop you from getting it and absolutely has no impact on your capacity to spread it, but you're allowed in and I'm not. Yeah, this I, is where public health has gone today. Right. Yeah. They're completely. Why would Why would anybody think that not have having a a vaccine is not as important as having a negative test? I like, don't know. That's the That's the most important part, right? Is that you don't have COVID, right? <laughs> like the purpose of the vaccine is to not get COVID, and I can show I don't have COVID. And you're gonna be like, that's not good enough. Yeah, it's because you're messing up this. You're messing up the narrative, Ben. Uh, yeah, we'll get into that a little later. Holy goodness, things are just getting dumber. We are not even showing any signs of slowing down, but we'll save that for for a bit. Andrew Wiggins, my heart goes out to you, man. That's tough. Yeah, I hope they trade you tough. somewhere where you can go play. Yeah, that but, would be ideal situation. Yeah, that's nuts. So, like, I mean, I'm not sure how much of the uh, the NBA is unvaccinated. There's only you know not many. 12, 15 guys per team, so there's not a yeah. The demographic seems like very anti-vax, though, in general. So that's was my interest. I mean, if all else fails, you always got Kyrie Irving. You know that man is not getting <laughs> vaccinated under any circumstances. Yeah. He's in Brooklyn, though, right? Oh, so I love good. that, That's going to be what happens. All right, let's talk about uh, Jeffrey Epstein. Ah, your boy. Your boy. Oh, Our boy. So did you happen to see the uh, interview? He's done a couple interviews, I guess, where one was Anderson Cooper. I you may want to clarify who you mean by he's done a few interviews because it's not Jeffrey Epstein. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> That's okay. Maybe it's the, I don't no, know. No. Okay. Just go. Uh, Bill Gates has been, I don't know, doing the doing the circuit, if you will. It sounds Making like he's uh, trying to get out in front of some stuff. And um, he was on Anderson Cooper, and he asked him about this. And then he was on with PBS, and they asked him about uh, his relationships with Jeffrey Epstein, right? Did you see it? Uh, no. So I'm going to play it in the background. I'm not going to play any audio. Just, I was on I was, vacation. I know, but it's fucking Jeffrey Epstein and Bill Gates, dude. So she asks him, I feel like the, I mean, you know, he goes through basically the same kind of uh, uh, talking points. He, you know, like, I regret doing this. I shouldn't have done it. I thought he was going to give me money. Like, we've already talked about this. Like, who, who, who does he need? Why does he need Jeffrey Epstein to get money? Like, he's literally the richest dude in the world at the time. Like, wh- what contacts does Jeffrey Epstein have that Bill Gates can't get? You know what I mean? I'm going like, to imagine seriously. not much. Yeah, and so, so Gates goes on there. He's very fidgety. Um, you know, doesn't seem comfortable at all. Uh, re- reaches for his empty wedding finger multiple times with no ring on there anymore. So I thought that was a little interesting. I saw somebody else pointed that out, and I thought that was interesting too. Um, but, but near the end of the conversation, 
Judy Woodworth Woodworth is the uh, the host of the PBS NewsHour. I feel like it is, and he asked, you know, this is after maybe two or three questions on the thing. He's like, you know, what lessons could be learned, right? To Bill Gates. So, you know, what lessons could you learn, you know, and other people with this? And he's like, well, he's dead. That was his answer. He's dead. <laughs> I don't even know what to make of that. It was literally the weirdest response. What response. Yeah. That's weird. He's totally a pedo. So, I mean, look, me. if you want to just, let's go with the uh, Occam's razor approach to this. What's the most likely scenario? Well, who can Jeffrey Epstein access that Bill Gates couldn't access through any other means you know through not a convicted pedophile let's just go with that uh what money could jeffrey epstein possibly raise for bill gates that bill gates couldn't raise on his own with his own contacts or his own money none none seems like like nothing you need but what can jeffrey epstein provide bill gates that you know other channels would probably be a more difficult venture it ain't money and it ain't fun. It's not funding. It's not contacts. It's not clout. By my math, there's only one thing Jeffrey Epstein can provide Bill Gates where he is the most rational choice to go, for Bill Gates to go to. There's only one thing you're looking for. He's the lifeline. Where he's the guy that you can only get or he's your best bet. That that, that does, It's not a long list. No. The only, I mean, it's either... Over 18 or under. Like, those are your two options. And like I said, it's, you know, the fact that uh, Melinda has come out and referenced this multiple times in talking about their divorce and that his relationship with Epstein was, uh, you know, facilitating and a catalyst for the divorce and that Epstein had offered help and advice to Bill Gates about the divorce. Like this whole thing was, I mean, they were close. This was not something like where they, he's like, Oh, I had a couple of dinners. I have like, these people hung out. These, these, these were, these were boys. These were actually boys. Yeah. I, as I've said on this show before, I'm a pretty loyal guy as a friend. Yeah. I mean, as long as you and I are good, there, there's not many things that I can't forgive if you're a good friend and, and we have a, a mutual respect and understanding. Um, sexually abusing dozens to hundreds of underage women that's on the list of things that'll end our friendship maybe i'm weird maybe, maybe yeah. i'm off and, and listen he helped him rehabilitate him i mean gates did that is yeah you know, gates helped epstein rehabilitate him into social life yeah and i'm i'm sitting here going I, like we could be best friends forever and if you came in we're like yeah you know i did I, I solicited all these girls and i but i did pay them and they were all like 13 to 16 like I think we're good. I don't think we need to hang out anymore. I think that's it. And if I did, my wife reasonably would leave me because I'm hanging out with a known pedophile who's kind of still doing it and still surrounded by all these youngish looking women. And I'm, I'm in the pictures next to him like, honey, there's nothing to worry about. Uh, we're just trying to raise money for science. Philanthropy. Obviously, we're just trying to test vaccines on unsuspecting people in African countries. What could go wrong? I mean, obviously, we're benevolent all the way around here. And we're still waiting, uh, piggybacking on the uh, Epstein portion of this whole thing. Uh, we're still waiting on a response from Prince Andrew, as uh, Virginia Giuffre has uh, filed a uh, sexual abuse uh, claim in Manhattan court under the new uh, the 2019 New York state law that allowed uh, ch- children to go back for as length a period of time as needed to accuse their uh, uh, abusers. So... 
she is doing that. He has, uh, I think Prince Andrew has like three weeks to respond. We're about three weeks in. So hopefully we'll have some news on that too. That'll be coming. Oh my God. This is crazy. Before we shift on, yeah. I know we have to, but it's not that it's completely related, but it's not unrelated either. Can we discuss the Hunter Biden, my boy, your boy. Hunter Biden back in the news again? Uh, exclusive new emails reveal Hunter Biden asked for $2 million plus, quote, success fees, end quote, to unfreeze Libyan assets. Yeah, so basically he asked the Libyan government, like, give me $2 million and I'll see what I can do for you. And if I do something for you, you're going to give me more money. Crazy. That's not newsworthy. No wonder that wasn't all over the news all weekend long that the president's son, who's now selling art... For $500,000 a piece, once again, was caught peddling influence. Yeah. And did you see that they've uh, confirmed the authenticity of the laptop now somehow? Oh, I mean, not mean that like we all what, didn't know what this. What we but did like, last year right. because we <laughs> but, looked at what was on it and went. Like, well, there's probably no way that this could really happen. Yeah, this would be a heck of a deep fake. And this is, you know, we, we know there's another, at least one other laptop out there. On more. Uh, at least. I'm just saying. Again, we're. The one that we saw had some weird stuff on it, and the other one has some crazy sex on it that might be blackmail-worthy. Yeah. Like, oh, God, I don't think I'm ready for that. I am I'm not. I'm, I'm not ready for whatever's on the other laptop. But the idea that it's taken them a year to authenticate that first laptop is an absolute joke. Yeah. Like... Guys, this isn't like, oh, well, we finally got to it. It's a, it was obvious from day one and they blatantly lied. That's it. I don't have a better explanation I mean, for you. Eventually, this is going to be the reason why they, they oust Sleepy Joe, right? I mean, they're going to be like, listen, you know, there's going to be like, okay, all this stuff is to mounting. They've already figured out who's going to take the place, I'm assuming, at some point. Like, I got how a this conspiracy is all... theory for you. Oh, okay. You ready for this? Yeah, like, I, would, I don't have any proof it. to back this up whatsoever. Even, those are the, the best page. ones. Okay. None. It would just be like, if you were in their shoes, what would you do? Uh, number one is I think Joe Biden gets assassinated and it gets pinned on a, like, I shouldn't say, I think this is going to happen, but imagine if, imagine if one day Joe Biden gets assassinated by a dude in a MAGA hat. Okay. All right. And now you get to say like, see, we told you these January six people were a terrorist incel organization, hell bent on sedition and insurrection and now they're doing this and now we've got president kamala harris with the full sympathy of the nation and we're going to make come after but this. that's that's why it doesn't it, it won't work because the maga hat knows that kamala harris is next it's up. not going to be a real maga hat. i understand that now but even i understand like most people are not going to it's he's just gonna he's gonna die of a disease we're still wearing masks one year later, and you think people are going to catch on? Well, I mean. We're about to approve vaccines for five-year-olds, we'll and you that. think people are going to start asking <laughs> questions about that? We'll get to that. God, you're optimistic, and I thought I was optimistic. I'm supposed to be the optimistic one. I'm turning into the conspiracy theorist. But, listen, if that happens, I might skip the show for a few weeks because I'm going to go hide to somewhere else. Like, I, I was kidding. For so, all you, like, anybody listening in a government, I'm completely kidding. I have no reason to think this is going to happen. It's not like you guys tried to kidnap and assassinate Julian Assange. Yeah, right. Um, <laughs> oh, wait, no, that happened, too. Yeah. I, I wanted to put that in today's news rundown, but it was that article was so long that I, I've read almost all of it. But, like, I actually want to go back and read portions of it again. So um, so do do that. You can check out, I think it was, wasn't it Yahoo? I think it was Yahoo News who actually had that article, which is crazy. I believe it was. 
Um, yeah. So again, my conspiracy Pompeo theory. Pompeo wants to kill Assange. Total joke. I was kidding. Let's talk about uh, Trump. <laughs> the heck with it. Let's go. So, so the uh, former president, Donald Trump, uh, has taken aim at our local congressman, Mr. Hughesong. Ah. Uh, Representative Katko, who has uh, voted for impeachment and has uh, been what most would call an outspoken uh, uh, Trump critic, unless you're uh, a local Democrat here, then he's a Trump tard because that's how they, that's the only game they got. So, so they just basically link him to Trump as much as they can, even though the dude hates each other. Um, but he has uh, said on a he said on a talk show that not Donald Trump. This is that he plans to uh, keep House Republicans from raising money for Catco's reelection. How? Uh, I think he's just going to try to apply whatever leverage he thinks he has against uh, Kevin McCarthy. Okay. But uh, I find it interesting that, uh, you know, this is also on the back of the uh, the local Republican county chair here, uh, uh, re-enrolling with the conservative party and making a public push to get a challenger for John Katko coming up in his reelection bid as well. So there's a lot of things going against uh, Mr. Katko. You think I- he turns Democrat? No. There's- just runs as a Democrat? Nope. I don't. I, here's the thing. I, I've met John Cackle. I don't know him well. Like, we don't have a personal relationship. I've met him two or three times. Seems like a super nice guy. Like, seems reasonable and pragmatic and like he's really trying to do the right thing. I did not agree that an impeachment vote was the right call on that because, as I said, once you do this, every president's getting impeached moving forward. It's just not going to stop. And now they're drawing up impeachment papers for Joe Biden's handling of Afghanistan. Like, now it's just a political tool. It's not meant to be this drastic measure that it should be. Now it's just a nothing. So I was against that. Uh, John Kako has done a very good job of trying to appease the middle of the road as whenever possible of trying to say, all right, well, not this, not this. I don't want to be a sycophant. I don't want to be this. I think the problem is with our current political landscape, doing that does not actually win you votes. Like I have many friends and family on, on each side of the aisle and all cat goes, the, the general reaction I saw from people was, is he sort of distanced himself from the Republicans and was trying to be seen as much more of a moderate. The more Trump supporting Republican friends that I have didn't like it and were probably still going to vote for him, but they weren't going to like it because the option other option was Dana Balter. Uh, and the more Democrat left the visiting leaning, professor, visiting professor Dana Balter, <laughs> um, the more left leaning family and friends that I have were also not more likely to vote for him, even though like they didn't necessarily agree with Dana Balter, but they weren't going to go and vote for John Catco at that point. Like it just was not going to happen. So I guess it's, this is the problem with, with politics. And this is where it's our fault as, as the voters above everything else because when, even when you get a guy who's trying to demonstrate independence from party on some level, it doesn't garner him any support. Like, there's a reason that we are as polarized as we are right now, and it's because we have all divided ourselves into these camps and onto these teams. And as soon as somebody shows disloyalty to your team, you're not likely, you're not as likely to support them as you are if they're towing the if they're towing the company line. But the flip side is when somebody does that. The other side's not looking to embrace him and say, okay, well, this is a reasonable person in the middle. Some, but it's not many. It's just not. So I I don't know, like, the idea that he's going to go become a Democrat seems insane to me. And also because, ideologically speaking, he's not a Democrat. Like, 
he, he doesn't have those shared ideals and beliefs that a Democrat would expect from somebody in their party. Yeah, right. Well, I mean, there are many politicians who are enrolled in parties that they don't believe anything about, just for the record. Just so you know. Like most. <laughs> um, so, I don't think I don't most know. people it, know what their party stands it's for inter- It's just interesting here. Our local congressman's getting targeted by the former president. Obviously, they have... Uh, have no love lost between the two of them well they started out sort of in support like there was a good relationship at first if i'm not mistaken pence came to a fundraiser for catco at one point uh well i know john boehner did because i was there john boehner came to one you were there i mean i didn't pay i was working i know i'm only messing with you <laughs> but i was there you I were in it. the building i was in the building you were getting paid Actually, i was in the building they were outside because i was you know peasant i was working class so i was inside they were out there and that's where all the best people are i'm kidding um yeah um, it's yeah it's just one of these things of it's more the reasons why some of us are are just like have never been overwhelming supporting um or just don't like donald trump of like dude shut up please please just stop like oh you're you're gonna block funding for you think he's running i don't but he might he's such an egomaniac he might (laughs) Like I think he's running the smart play. If you're Don, I think his ego can't take the loss. So he's going to run again is, is sort of what I'm getting the point of, but I keep thinking the smarter play would be, look, you have a chance to become the kingmaker for the party. Just work behind the scenes and you could actually influence and uh, affect and impact the direction of the party of the country of politics in general to a, to a degree that being the sitting president would not allow you to do. And instead you're like, no, I want the title. Because it's ego, it's what, what everything else is with this man. The same reason a vaccine saved hundreds of millions of lives. Because he made it happen with Operation Warp Speed. He's a legend in his own mind. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah just like, you can't, This is just please stop. Uh, if you want to go do some stuff, cool. But it's the, the vindictive nature and anything that's not, if you're not with me, you're against me and... You, how dare you do this? And it's like, I'm just, I'm tired of it. Yeah. All right. Let's switch to COVID. <laughs> right up your alley, Mr. Hughesong. Uh First, let's talk about local COVID. Uh, so Dr. Howard Zucker resigned while you were away, you in know, the, in the middle of the night while you were away. That. So you couldn't call him out. I did see that. And I got to tell you, you, I got to tell you, it's always sad when a real talented competent public servant leaves a position of public service where they have done tremendous work and helped people to countless degrees. And thank God none of that applies to the situation involving Dr. Zucker resigning as the head of the New York State Department of Health. Not yeah. one part of that Good for holds true. So I'm so happy that that man is out. The only thing that's disappointing is that he is not facing some type of either criminal or at least an administrative review of his conduct. And just for those, you know, keeping score at home, this is the man responsible for the executive order that barred nursing homes from turning away COVID-positive patients, which has been estimated to cost at least 1,000 lives, like 1,000 people died that otherwise probably would not have as a direct result of that order. Uh, He is then responsible for the investigation into the order, which concluded that, the order had no impact. The order was following the rules of the federal government. Oh, and by the way, the first one was blatantly false because they said the median time of somebody recovering from COVID is nine days. And the median time somebody went in 
back to the nursing home was eight days. Well, and, and you're going, yeah, but median doesn't mean most. That that's like the middle number. So therefore, assuming anybody took longer than that, then people took way less than that too. But again, I'm not a scientist. So they covered up. They they investigated themselves and determined that the order had no impact on COVID spread. That the order followed the Department of Medicaid and Medicare Services, which has been just completely debunked so many times that it was laughable when they put it out there. And that the real reason for nursing home spread was because of the employees and workers. That was it. The whole thing. Nice, guys. Just blame the frontline workers because you did nothing wrong. And then concluded with it wasn't really the rule to begin with anyway. That, like, that is exactly what this thing said. This man signed his name to that with a straight face and said, we did nothing wrong. See, we investigated it. Yeah. And, you know, it wasn't, he, he had to have known they were covering up the data the whole way too, right? So, like, the aides that were helping him yes. cover up the data. So, he, he, he was guilty from the beginning to the end. And he co-signed and, all of this, like, for, uh, just to touch, explain what you're just talking about right now. We legitimately were were citing numbers incorrectly on two fronts. One is we didn't count any presumed COVID deaths in the in the numbers that New York was providing to the media and to the federal government. Now the federal government was counting them anyway and saying, like, look, everybody else is using presumed, you have to as well. And Andrew Cuomo just wouldn't do it because it made the state look worse or, you know, accurate. So he didn't count those. Made us number one. What the heck? And number two, like, refused to disclose the number of the real number of people who had died in nursing homes because New York, every other state in the union was any other country on earth. If you got COVID in a nursing home and then died in a nursing home, at home, in a hospital, in an ambulance, or anywhere else, you counted as a nursing home death. That's the way the data was kept, except New York. In New York State, we compared ourselves to other states and said, our numbers in nursing homes are, are way lower. I don't know why anybody's thinking we have a problem. But it was because if you got nurse, if you got COVID in a nursing home in New York and then they transferred you to a hospital and you died in a hospital, you didn't count as a, as a nursing home death. The sheer hubris of that, of not acknowledging that you're counting it differently and then using that data as a direct comparison to demonstrate that you're doing better. And people just went along with this for so long that it was mind-boggling. That people just went like, well, it's not that bad. You guys are too hard on Cuomo. Like, no, he's lying every single day. I wanted and to punch him one day. And he later, he cited, we're 34th. He's like, ask the other 30, whatever. We're, we're 35th. 35th. Ask, like, the ask the other, other 34, 34 states. states. I was like, I'm going to reach through this video and strangle the dude. Right. And this Dr. Zucker, good riddance, because you co-signed all of it, and it's your fault that it happened. We never should have gotten to the point where we got this bad off. And yet here we are. And now we're facing, again, a Dr. Zucker legacy because I'm going to assume that he co-signed this one as well. Vaccine mandates with no testing opt-out and no natural immunity opt-out for all healthcare workers in New York going into effect today, tomorrow. Today's the last 5 day. 5 p.m. today. And anybody who's not vaccinated. So thereby causing the next hospital overwhelming, which will be the first one in reality because outside of New York City, no hospital ever got overwhelmed. And only because I have them different order. Let's real quickly before we jump oh, into that. I went out of order. I'm, I, I no, thought I set that right. up so good. You did. You did. But I want to talk about the vaccines and the kids before we get into oh, the, all the ass. So before we get into the hospital crisis and the self-generated government-created pandemic from its of its own let's talk about pfizer who says that uh it's covid vaccine is safe and effective for kids 5 to 11 mr hugh but let's talk about what does effective mean 
Uh, why don't you tell us what effective is? Effective means it generates a robust autoimmune. Uh, uh, excuse me. It generates a robust immune response similar to those people aged 16 to 25 and similar side effects to those age 16 to 25 at a lower dosage meant specifically for children. Now, the data also indicates that it cannot claim any reduction in COVID-19 in any symptomatic COVID-19 in deaths and adverse outcomes or in long COVID because whether in the placebo group or the actual vaccine group, the numbers were so strikingly low that any difference was incomprehensible. They cannot draw any distinction other than it generates an immune response, a robust immune response. That's what we're now claiming as effective and why kids need to take it. Look, if you want to talk similar side effects to what we're seeing at 16 to 25, go give your seven-year-old myocarditis for a virus that is of zero threat to them whatsoever. You're nuts. Number two, all of but we're going to spread it. Kids do not effectively spread COVID. They haven't from the beginning. They're not doing it now. They never have. Could that change in the future? Sure. But right now, all the best data that we have, kids don't spread it. So kids are not getting sick. Kids are not dying. Kids are not spreading the virus. And yet we have people, local leaders, state leaders, national leaders, that want to streamline approval of a Pfizer mRNA vaccine for kids aged 5 to 11, for what? Profit. This is ignorance at the highest level. I'm sorry. Well, cases are up 240% amongst children. Right. And that's like when you go from a 0.0004% chance of an adverse outcome to 0.0003. Yes. Is it higher? Sure. It's still nothing. This is still nothing, and again, you want to take a vaccine, God bless you. I, I, I get it. That's fine. Why? Where is the cost-benefit analysis being done by our public health officials or any politician to say, hey, wait, why are we vaccinating five-year-olds who don't have any health? I mean, even if you want to break down the numbers further of the kids who have died of COVID, already a one-in-a-million shot, quite literally, the one-in-a-million had severe comorbidity or health factors that contributed in every single case so if you have an otherwise naturally healthy-ish child not even a picture of health just like no severe health impairments your child is at quite literal zero risk of getting symptomatic covid of getting very sick of dying and of spreading it to somebody else this has all been very well known for a very long time the fact that 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 is not well known is a travesty of public health officials in this country yeah, you would think that would be celebrated, right? Hey, at least this thing doesn't affect kids. Nope, but they're weaponizing the kids for no reason. Literally right. just because we, we're, most people are sympathetic to kids, and that's really the reason why. And that's why this is how you lie with data. By, t- by calling something a 200% increase in cases, let's put cases in air quotes, because again, these are PCR tests of asymptomatic people, which we know generate false positives frequently. Um, you're causing a pandemic where there is not one. Anthony Fauci came out today and said, or maybe it was over the weekend, and said vaccinating the 5 to 11 crowd could be the key to ending the pandemic. You liar. You evil sociopath. How can you have this much of a careless indifference towards other people's lives and health? 
It is insanity. Look, I'm not even telling you the vaccine is bad. Maybe the VAERS data is all nonsense. I don't know. But as Kevin McKernan pointed out two weeks ago on our show, maybe it was three weeks ago, two two weeks, the vaccine manufacturers were approved for the emergency use authorization and by shortening their tests because they claimed we have a real time database to monitor all adverse risk, all adverse effects in real time after the COVID after the vaccine goes public and it's theirs. That was an essential part of how they got it authorized. So then it gets authorized, and then people point to VAERS and say, hey, guys, your system's being like overwhelmed with people claiming negative results, and they're going, well, you can't trust that. Well, why could you trust it when you were asking for approval? Why was that okay then, but now we can't trust it? And look, I'm not even telling you the data is all real and accurate. I don't know. I, I really don't. But even the safety data that came out, it was for age uh, 12 to 18, there was more kids ending up in the hospital from adverse reactions to the vaccine than there were from actual kids getting COVID. And no, I'm not counting. I'm not talking got to the hospital for something else and then tested positive for COVID. And now you count as a COVID hospitalization because that's nonsense. I'm sorry, but that's crazy. I'm talking kids that actually got COVID with a test, had symptoms bad enough to get admitted to the hospital. You're more likely to end up in the hospital because of an adverse reaction to the vaccine. That's a problem. And look, it might end up being nothing. It might end up all being minor. But the reality is we don't know. We don't know what the long-term ramifications from this vaccine are yet. We don't know why the spike protein doesn't stay at the site. We don't know what things can break the blood-brain barrier and what cannot. We don't know what the impact is of that. So you're about to stick this thing in a bunch of 5- to 11-year-olds when even by Pfizer's own admission, they will not have long-term safety data available until at least 2024. There might be adverse effects. They've acknowledged this. There might be adverse effects. We don't know. But they're all held harmless. They have no liability whatsoever until at least until throughout at least 2023 for any harm done by this vaccine. Meaning, they could have knowingly sold you a bad vaccine or su- done such blatantly poor testing on it to the point of gross negligence. And they could kill a loved one. Guess what you're allowed to do to hold them responsible? Nothing. They have no liability whatsoever. None. So when you talk about vaccinating kids 5 to 11, every question of public health has to be a question of what is the risk and what is the benefit. There is only risk in this regard because, again, children are at, I'm going to use statistical numbers, statistically zero risk of dying. Children are at statistically zero risk of getting sick. Children are at statistically Let's go slightly above zero risk of spreading this to adults. Look at even on all the tests, all the studies on the CDC website that generated school transmission and everything else that that all concluded masks work. And then in their limitation disclosures said, we didn't actually study the causation of masks, but we're going to conclude it anyway. Good science, guys. Even in there. And I, we went through this list a couple weeks ago. Every one of them in that disclosure said zero instances of child-to-adult transmission in schools. Zero, zero instances of child-to-adult transmission. Like, we have studied this at length. Yeah, I know. I've seen the other ones that say it looks like kids can spread it just as effectively as adults. Every one of those is based on a predictive model with junk data put in. If you look back at what actually happened, they do not spread it to adults. Could that change? Yes. I'm open to the prospect. It hasn't, and we're coming on 18 months now, 
And that has been one thing that is held very true is that kids do not get sick, kids do not die, and kids do not spread the virus in any meaningful way. And, you know, it's almost like common sense because if you think about what Anthony Fauci said in the beginning of the pandemic, you know, asymptomatic spread is typically not a primary driver, and if it was this time, it'd be the first time that ever happened. Anybody follow up with him since then? Because it's still not. It's still less than 1% of all cases, and that's with adults who are carrying higher viral loads and much more susceptible to spreading the virus. When you factor in the fact that children who generally have far less obesity, far less inflammation in their cells, even an obese child is still less obese than an adult, than an obese adult. There's just less of you, and your body is still more adaptive at that point. So if it's this virus attaches to the ACE2 receptor, even an obese child generally does not yet have high blood pressure. So that's why the numbers, I mean, I don't know if it's the only reason, but it would all follow logically why it goes this way. So I don't know why we're fighting the logic. I guess that's my biggest thing. I don't know why anybody is coming out and advocating for getting your six-year-old healthy child with an experimental vaccine that has been absolutely beyond refute demonstrated to completely lose effectiveness after six months. And they just want you to, they, like, so your kid is at no risk. You're going to give them a medicine that best case scenario does nothing for six months. And then even if they were at somehow at risk, it would be gone after six months anyway. And it has no impact on their capacity to spread it to others. It generates a robust immune response. Does it reduce illness? Well, we can't say that. Is that not troubling to any other parents out there? Like, you can't even tell me this thing reduces the illness, and I'm supposed to jam it in my kid? You're out of your mind. Ben, if they reduce the control group small enough, then it becomes statistically irrelevant. So these 5 to 11 group, they can't be a control group. They have to be vaccinated. This is madness. Look, these are indefensible mistakes. I had a friend of mine, we were texting back and forth earlier, and he goes, there's too many smart people saying outlandish things for this to all be an accident. There's just too many of them. And I don't want to agree with that. I, like, I'm fighting that with every fiber of my being. I'm running out of options here. I am running out of reasons. When otherwise intelligent people are coming out and saying, masks 100% are scientifically proven to work. No, they're not. <laughs> no, if anything, they are overwhelmingly proven to not have any impact whatsoever. But okay, fine. Vaccines 100% scientifically proven to work. Wrong. We don't know that because science requires a control group. And what did they do with the control group in the adult trial, Sean? Jabbed them. All right. Decided it was so important. We don't need we don't need a comparison. Although what we do have, the limited information we have. they don't need a comparison. They didn't want a comparison. they don't want a comparison. And guess why? It. Guess why? This is funny. Because all of the, what we, the limited data we do have, vaccinated versus unvaccinated, placebo versus vaccinated, what's the drop in all-cause mortality between the two groups? Those are vaccinated. Zero. Zero drop in all-cause mortality between those that have been vaccinated and those that have not been. Anybody else troubled by that? And now they want to stick this in your kid. They're going to guilt you. They're going to tell you, if you want your kid's mask off, get them jabbed. If you want schools open and your kids to stop quarantining, better get them jabbed. Well, your governor says God wants you to be vaccinated. Uh, I don't believe that my governor knows what God wants for even a half a second. (laughs) All right. I bet you God wanted you to speak up for some of the victims of sexual harassment, too. But you sat pretty quietly until it came to your political favor. And then suddenly you were an advocate for women. So kindly sit down and shut up. Yeah. And let's let's finish off here with this uh, 
governor created uh, crisis here that you referenced that uh, Howard Zucker's uh, departing shot, his uh, parting gift for us all here in the state of New York is the healthcare workers in this state by 5 p.m. are required to be vaccinated or they will be terminated from their employer. And uh, ineligible for unemployment benefits. And uh, and ineligible for unemployment. Um, This is literally a... You know, we, we've heard this for 18 months of, first of all, multiple things. These were all heroes, right? These yep. medical staff, they had, they, they, there was no vaccine last year when they were treating COVID patients and they treated them anyway. All, those people are now moved forward and still taking care of patients to this day. Some of them vaccinated, some of them unvaccinated. Well, the unvaccinated ones are now no longer heroes, apparently. So uh, they are selfish and they should be uh, removed from their, their job. But what that's doing is actually hurting more patients, right? So these Obviously. hospitals, uh, one here, the, the, the SUNY Upstate, which is uh, one of the uh, state-run hospitals here, is removing, I think, moving their operating rooms from 35 to 13. So they're they're knocked 22 operating rooms out. They basically stopped elective surgeries um, in preparation of knowing that they're going to lose between 15 and 20% of their workforce. Some in these rural hospitals are going to lose 25% plus. Um, I'm hearing that there are some vaccinated Employees that were also going to walk out in support of the unvaccinated uh, co-workers. Um, we'll see if that happens. Um, but 5 p.m. today is the deadline here in New York. And uh, we're kind of uh, the the uh, first guinea pig in this uh, vaccine mandate um, that's kind of getting rolled out by the president. But we're here in New York right in the epicenter of the whole thing. And uh, we're going to have a T-minus four hours and six minutes and see what happens. Why is there not? a testing opt-out. Why? And they even give that to the teachers, right? And our postal workers who aren't required to get the vaccine, but nurses and doctors who have been exposed to it repeatedly. You know, what, what is the data now on acquired immunity versus vaccine immunity? It's at least 13 times more powerful than having vaccine immunity. And you want these people to get vaccinated. Again, I don't know what the risk of getting the vaccine is, but neither do you. So please stop pretending like you do. We don't have long-term safety data, and there is no benefit for somebody who had COVID. If you had COVID already, you already have an immune response that is superior to vaccine-generated immunity, which is exactly what you would expect from any study of RSV in human beings versus vaccines on other things. Like, There's a reason if somebody gets chickenpox, we kind of assume they're not going to get it again. Now, does it happen? Sure, but it's a bolt of lightning. So now you're going to mandate this for all hospital workers. So now you're going to lose 15%. Let's go conservative, 15% of nurses. So think about that in terms of actual numbers. Let's say you have 100 nurses working at SUNY Upstate Hospital in an ICU. And in reality, you don't have that many. I don't think. I think it's closer to like 50. Let's go with 50. 50 nurses to staff 24 hours a day at Upstate ICU, right? And now you've got 42. Okay. Well, 50 is probably not enough to begin with to have everybody be comfortable. And you somehow have to staff this. But now you have eight fewer patients or eight fewer nurses available. That's a problem. Because that means you've got to shut down some beds that you don't have. And if you've got to expand capacity, you can't. You don't, have the, you don't have the medical workers. And now we're going to read about hospital shortages when the inevitable seasonality hits. I heard Dr. Gottlieb say, I think this is going to be, uh, we're going to get hit with a little bit with school reopening, 
but it ought to start coming down right around November 1st. Dr. Gottlieb, I will kindly bet you a dollar that you are incorrect. At least in the Northeast. In the Northeast, we are not going to see these numbers drop by November 1st. I'll bet you a, I'll, I'll bet you a dollar. How you, long after they stop using the PCR test 1231 will the cases drop? Two weeks. <laughs> And listen, some of that will be because of PCR tests that are actually able to distinguish between seasonal flu and COVID, and some of it will be because the natural seasonality curve, that's when it starts to drop, is right around mid-January. Now, if we get a particularly cold January that's long-lasting and forcing more people inside, yeah, it could go on longer, but typically you'd expect it to be around there. Um, I'm still at a loss for how people much smarter and much more qualified than you and I are not discussing the seasonality aspect. How are people out there ignoring the results from Sweden, ignoring the results from countries that have used ivermectin to tremendous results? I, you just ignore anything that goes against your given narrative? I hate using that word. I do. I hate that word. But I don't have a better one. So I'm, I'm going to roll with it. Like I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to recite this data. And I'm on, this time I'm going to change the context of how I actually read this because at first I wasn't I wasn't discussing the context. I was result not the article I read, but the study underneath it. Now I'm going to talk about the article that I read. Sweden's numbers for schools they have thirty thousand teachers in their schools all along. They never once shut down schools. Never once required kids to wear masks for ninth grade and below. No schools were shut down for that level, and nobody had to wear a mask. Tenth and above went remote for a period of time, and then everybody went back in the building again. No masks, and over. Over a year of, of COVID, community spread being there. Remember how bad Sweden was doing early on and everybody Sweden was going to sacrifice their population. Um, 30,000 teachers in the country, 79 ended up in an ICU. 79 out of 30,000. And out of those 79, they had exactly one teacher die of COVID. One. So that's a 0.26% of their teachers ended up hospital and in an ICU, hospitalized in an ICU for COVID. And one died out of 30,000. Now, what a reasonable person would probably take from that when they had no mask, they had no social distancing, the, the, all the students were there all the way through, regardless of what the community spread was like, and you had an overall mortality rate in Sweden teacher-wise, of 0.003%. So 0%. None. Right, you had one teacher. And I'm sorry, <clears throat> listen, every death is a tragedy, but if you're doing public health decisions, this is relevant data to say, again, hey, kids aren't spreading it, and it has nothing to do with masks. It has nothing to do with distancing. It has nothing to do with the fact that Swedes are just a better people than we are, and they'll listen to the rules. Shut up. All right. Instead, what this article claimed was, well, we can infer from this data that the schools that had masking were safer and that they actually had fewer hospitalizations than the schools that didn't. And they did it by breaking down the people that taught 10th, 11th, and 12th grade versus the people that taught 9th and below. And comparing their hospitalization rates of you're dealing with, again, a total of 80 out of 30,000. And so it was something like, 50 of the people that were hospitalized taught the lower levels and 30 taught the higher levels. And the news article took this data and said, well, we can reasonably assume then that if they had worn masks, they have a 40% reduction in their chances of being hospitalized. 
Not that you have an overall 0.25% chance. Not that. That wasn't the point of the study. This article actually turned around and claimed that, see how important masks are. That is the state of science and media in the world today. You could look at that data and spin that into a negative, saying, see, better wear masks. Because 20 people out of 30,000 in the dumbest design for a study possible I mean the absolute dumbest that requires so many assumptions, so little control, no way to replicate the data set on both sides, and you still come out and you claim that? Not, oh, hey, guys, it's pretty good proof the kids aren't spreading the virus. Schools should be open, and masks should be optional because they're not doing anything anyway. Because if masks were helping, it would seem to me that an entire country that had high community spread, schools open with no masks, should have seen a little... Oh, and no student deaths. I guess that's probably relevant, too. Not one student died of COVID in Sweden. It was listed as one, but it was because they got the birth year wrong. The the person was born in, like, 1910, and they put it in as 2010 as the year of birth. And then they had to correct it, obviously. But COVID has one of the... Excuse me, and Sweden has one of the most generous definitions of COVID death anywhere in the world. If you have a positive test within 60 days of dying, you count as a COVID death in the country of Sweden. It's like New York does it too. Like that's how we do it. And that's their definition. So it's very generous and it's guaranteed to overcount. Somehow you look at that data and your takeaway is better wear masks. Yeah. You want to know why we feel like we're going crazy. That's why these are reasonably intelligent people coming out and saying that that's insane. I don't have a better way of explaining this, the true stupidity of where we are right now than the fact that somebody wrote that article with a straight face. Yeah, that's, like I said, I mean, journalism is dead. So I that's mean, there's a literally like a half a dozen people out there who actually trust when, what they write. That Not that they're, I agree with them, just that I trust what they're writing is actually uh, an assessment of the facts. Even like, if they have their own somewhat yeah, bias, sure. they're do, they're trying to tell right. the truth. Yeah. This is just propaganda, guys. Yeah, I, sure. I don't have any other way to say this. because if And the problem is, that's not the exception. That is the way we are being presented with everything right now. When is the last time Dr. Fauci, Dr. Zucker, Dr. Walensky came out and said, hey, guys, kids really are not. Yes, we're seeing an increase in, in cases among children, but we're not seeing an increase in deaths. We're not seeing a significant increase in hospitalizations. And a lot of that is probably more tied to RSV and then a positive COVID test once they're already in the hospital with RSV. How many times have you heard any of them say that? Yeah, none. No, instead they're out here pushing for you to go get your child injected with a Pfizer vaccine for your five-year-old for a virus that poses zero risk to them and that they are near zero risk of spreading to any adult. And they're going to give them a vaccine that even under the most favorable of circumstances doesn't stop you from spreading the virus. That's insanity. And, oh, does everybody know that, like, right after you get, I think it's your second shot, you've got a window of time where your immune system's actually suppressed and you're much more likely to get COVID than firmly established. That's not even like a a theory at this point. It's there. Isn't it weird how in all the trials they define fully vaccinated as 14 days post second shot. That's so weird. So just so we're clear again, if we're counting the vaccine efficacy, you get jab number one. I get jab number one of a placebo. You get jab number two. I get jab number two of a placebo. Seven days later, you and I both get COVID. I count as having COVID. You do not. Welcome to the world, kids. I got COVID, right? 
because I'm in the placebo group and I developed COVID-19. You got COVID, but because you were 13 days after your second shot, you got COVID. Doesn't count. You count as a success. Not even like sitting it out and let's not count that one. You count as the vaccine worked. Like, <laughs> I get why Pfizer's spinning this stuff because they're making billions of dollars on this. What's the point of having a public health agency if they're not going to call out nonsense like that? Of, hey guys, cute try, but yeah, that's not going to happen. If somebody gets COVID, you don't get to count that as a success story just because it wasn't two weeks later. Oh, and speaking of fun with real data, overall participants between the control group, the control group and the vaccine group, less than 1% of all people got COVID. That's your 94% efficacy in action, folks. 94% efficacy based on that nonsensical reading of the data. And now they're going to put this in your child. And now we have idiots in our Congress and State Assembly that want to mandate this for your child to go receive a public education for which your taxes pay. They need you to go and get an experimental vaccine with no long-term safety trial and vaccine manufacturers that are at 0% liability risk of if anything goes wrong, you can't do a thing about it anyway. And if your child wants to receive in-person education, they want to mandate that they stick that needle in their arm two times. And like I said, you know, obviously we're, we're talking about kids here, but they're mandating it everywhere. And that's insane. It's crazy. How are you ignoring natural immunity? How are you just ignoring if somebody got it, got over it, then they have by all, by all available data, far, far greater immunity. I love the counter argument to this, by the way. Well, we don't know how long it lasts. Right, but we know how long the vaccine one lasts, and it's less long than this. So, you want me to go that route, even though I know this one's already better? That's your counter argument. We've lost our minds. Even though they're they're counting vaccined people as in this group, but uh, I saw Goldman Sachs released a number that eighty percent of the people either had COVID or been vaccined or have had the vaccine. Right, and look, I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm very concerned of. Assuming that we're going to see a normal spike, our numbers should all be lower right now because so many people had exposure to COVID last year. The numbers you would reasonably expect, especially in New York, where we are not in a flu season, it's 71 degrees at the end of September, like we're not there. And this trend has been continuing since like July. Our COVID numbers are significantly worse right now than they were last year. And I don't know why. And so the idea that the COVID, the, the vaccine is going to lead to a greater spread and it's going to lead to maybe um, debilitating some of your acquired immunity, even if you already had it. I don't know if that's true, but some of the early data would lead me to believe there's at least a chance that's coming true. Because it doesn't make sense that the seven-day rolling average a year ago for COVID deaths was five, and today it's 37. All right, if, let's have fun with real data like we get to do if you're a public health official. Um, I don't know, guys, but a 600% increase in COVID seems bad. And deaths. Cases are higher. Hospitalizations are higher. Deaths are significantly higher from a percentage standpoint, not from a gross number standpoint. Why do we think that's suddenly going to stop? Yeah, like I said, I mean, I think we are seeing it in Florida, for example. The numbers are dropping, but they're going to pick up here as, again, as we pointed out at the beginning, the seasons change and we're next, so... Right, and Florida, Florida just mandated another rule uh, for kids. On top of you can't make a kid wear a mask, it was something having, oh, you, no more forced quarantine. 
No more, no more quarantining kids who are asymptomatic just because they were exposed to somebody else. Uh, parents are have the option of pulling their kid for seven days if it happens, but otherwise they're not allowed to, to force your child to go home and quarantine for seven days, which again is totally reasonable because even adults asymptomatically and or presymptomatically combined, less than 1% chance of spreading it to somebody else. Children, it's even lower. And some reason, you keep hearing all these idiots come on TV and talk about how it's this great travesty of kids are missing so much school. Crazy idea. Stop sending them home just because they were exposed to a kid who had a sniffle or who had a positive PCR test with no symptoms because you're just doing random asymptomatic testing and calling it public health and saying it's for our own good. At some point, can I get any politician from any party to stand up and stop this nonsense? To maybe expand the view a little bit beyond this wondrous People's Republic of the state of New York? To look at what some other countries are doing that have a firmer handle on this? Would that be too much to ask? Uh, I guess it is. I mean, in this world. In this world, in this climate, today's day and age, people are too firmly in a camp. And here's the thing. 12 to 16... It's less than 50% of, of the 12 to 15-year-old kids have been vaccinated compared to, I think, it's 80% or 70% of adults. Um, I would anticipate the 5 to 12 is going to drop even more. But I also wonder about the parents that have kids in both age groups. Like, if you got your 12-year-old vaccinated, how could you possibly um, justify not letting your six-year-old get vaccinated. And I don't, I don't have an answer for that, but I'm hoping people will do it. I'm hoping people will say like, hey, look, 12 was one thing, six is nuts. This is just, this is getting crazy. I don't think they're going to. I, I really yeah. don't. And that, I mean, some people, I mean, that, that, that listen, me. we're, we're going to, I don't want to think we're going to end up like Australia, but. Now we've got guns. Yeah. It's, Which I'm not claiming like armed revolution. Crazy, I'm not advocating for that. I'm just saying like, it's a lot harder to, impose sure. that level of sure. uh, on an armed populace. Sure. It's almost like those guys who wrote that constitution had an idea or two that made sense. So I don't know. Let's, let's wrap this up with wondering how do you think this unfolds at five o'clock? Do you think that uh, New York state of bends or do you think the, no. you don't think they ever no. implement a testing out option? Nope. They will not bend until they are sued and forced to do it. Um, I think that you're going to see, I don't think you'll see hospitals really overwhelmed in the next couple of weeks. I think once you get past mid October and the weather really starts to drop, if we don't have a test out option, if we don't have an antibody test, yes, then I think at some level you're going to have to, because there's only so much you can do. Yeah. And, but the other half, look, if I'm a healthcare worker and they do this to me, I'm not going back. Yeah. I, I'm done. Yeah. I would think that most have moved on already. Right. The ones who wanted to maintain that career have moved on to a place that don't require vaccines. And here's the other part of that. If you're a nurse, you can go anywhere. And get you're in high, super high demand. Yep. yep. You can so. go to a state that is not going to require this insanity and they'll hire you tomorrow. So, yeah, does that is that a lot? Yes. But if you've stood your ground this far with the refusal to get a vaccine, then you're not getting it. And, there, and you are willing to take more drastic steps than the average person. And listen, I talk to people all the time that got the vaccine as a matter of convenience. I disagree with it, but I understand. Yeah. They're just like, look, I just had enough. I just want to do this. I'm like, I understand. I get it, whatever else. Somebody asked me about it of like, well, what would it take? I said, at this point, I'll die. <laughs> My inner Irish side of me is coming out of like, just no. Yeah, there's, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know the scenario that I would agree to have the vaccination either. It would so. take such a drastic change <laughs> in the data and, and the threat of who is actually at risk 
that it would be illogical to expect it to happen. Like you're talking about a 180 degree change in who is being affected by this and it would have to suddenly involve me. Right. Or my wife or my family or my children. Like, and it's just nothing is trending in that direction. So what am I what exactly am I supposed to do here? Am I am I supposed to just roll over and take it? No, I think instead I've gotten to the point of this is my moral indignant side of I'm just tired of you misrepresenting this to people. I'm tired of you lying to scare the crap out of people. And admittedly, I'm growing frustrated with people for just so willingly lapping it up. No hesitation, no thought, and if anything, mad at me. Because I'm going, guys, that's not what that says. That's that's false. Like, there is no way that you can prove this. Did you see the Bangladesh mass study follow-up? No. Oh, my God. Who? I don't know. It's a chart that I found that shed, that measured their actual incidences of covid i know we can't put this on but share this afterwards i think that you've seen this the red box is where they did the study and that's where they ended it like this is the funniest thing in the world of they ended it when it went from a it looks like about 15 cases per million people that's when they started doing it and then it dropped to like five and then uh what is this six months later it hit 65 cases per million. So like a, a five-fold increase in cases, but we don't count that part because that would be damaging to the narrative. And again, the author of that study having the balls to come out and be like, that is the nail in the coffin on the mass debate. Yeah. You're a liar, sir. And no, why do we keep listening to these people? I just don't understand. Like how wrong, how often does somebody have to be wrong before you're allowed to go, I'm good. Or at least show me the data to back up what you're saying. And then all that's my issue with all of these studies it's, that claim to show mass work. They all end up like this. Every single one of them ends up like this. Or like the Sweden one where you dive into the number and you're going, 15 people out of 30,000? Are you freaking kidding me? That's, that's your... 240% increase, Ben. That is your conclusive proof? Like, you guys are high. And I'm and I'm crazy because I'm actually reading this and going, what? That doesn't make sense. Why would you claim that? And going back to what my buddy said, there's too many smart people claiming too many absurd things. I don't. I just want it to make sense so badly, and it doesn't. Yeah. That's my fear. Is I, none of this makes any sort of sense whatsoever? Of how can you even advocate getting a five year old vaccinated for a virus that poses literally zero threat and guaranteed what you're going to get in the next couple of days is you're going to get stories from around the country, like five of them, maybe three of them about how a five or a six year old died with COVID. Of course, they're going to say died of COVID and one of them really will, but it's going to be because they had a, they had severe lung disease and some, and like four other health issues that you'll have to read 14 paragraphs down to find. And the other two will be like, normal seasonal flu but then had a positive covid test at the end because let's not forget seasonal flu did kill kids yeah when it still existed that's weird and now for any of you idiots that are going to tell me that masking and distancing is the reason we have no flu don't do it if it didn't stop covid how did it stop the flu Honestly, somebody asked me that question. And COVID is not did, the flu, Mr. Hughesong. Buddy, there's no COVID freaking, is not the flu. There's no way you see a 98% reduction in the flu. It doesn't make sense for masks. That's not reality. Like, the, the no, level of cognitive dissonance you have to go through to get to that conclusion makes me want to slam my head into a wall that an adult of legal competence and reasonable intelligence could say that with a straight face. It's mind-blowing. And one last point, as long as I'm on this rant. Yeah. At some point, we're going to have to explain to our children how we went along with this for so long. 
okay? And at some point, we're going to say, hey, well, masks work. Well, no, they don't, because masks are only designed to block something that's this big, like about three microns, and the virus travels on mic- on particles that are like .06 microns, way too small to block an airborne virus. So the masks are way too porous to actually block an airborne virus. And then the response, again with a straight face, is, well, it doesn't stop you from getting it, but it stops you from spreading it. Wait, the holes that are too big to block the virus from coming in block it from going out? Wow. How do you, uh, what do you say? Listen, I, I, we've said this before, that the mask is the one thing that I can't figure out how people just don't see right through all this nonsense. Right. It's, it's literally just nonsense. Uh, it's source control, you science denier. Like, But the, the hole's the same size and the particle's the same size. Is there anything else that you would think this along with of like, well, my chain link fence is not going to stop the sand from getting into my yard. I mean, but it will block it from getting out of my yard. What? How? How? It's the same size. Shut up. We've lost Trust science. We've lost our minds. We've oh. literally lost our minds as, Sorry, as, that a, was... as, a, as a community. And I don't understand. I don't see an end, to be honest with you, which is, I, I thought we, I thought there was a way out no. a few months ago. People are committed. Maybe to I now. was optimistic because the, uh, I thought that maybe some of this was, uh, let's, you know, just remove the former president and we'll use this part of it. But, and I thought maybe when we got a new president, they would try to ease out of it. But I think they want to get rid of this president too, to be honest with you. So, so you're a reason, like you are a, let's go with a, a rational scholar of history. Maybe, uh, maybe okay. a casual scholar sure. of history, Casuals. at least somewhat, yeah. right? How many times has a government taken over more and more control and authority and then just given it back? Oh, almost. I don't know of a case. Okay. But- um, oh, thank God we handed that over so readily. Yeah. Let's give um, them guns and healthcare next. Let's, what could possibly go wrong? Let's not go there. <laughs> Sorry. All right. <laughs> All right. Let's get the folks out of here. So, uh, thank you again for joining us. Uh, we'll be back again next Monday. Uh, I'm sure COVID will not be uh, going away by Monday. So I'm sure we'll touch base on that. Uh, we'll, we'll touch on uh, week four of the NFL. Uh, all things, New York state, all things, uh, newsworthy, maybe some Epstein, maybe some Hunter Biden laptop. Maybe we'll talk about that, uh, the Julian Assange thing next week, too. I probably should touch we on probably that a little should bit. Touch so. on that. Uh, but and, and Hunter Biden, again, selling always. influence. Because it's just fun at this point. So on that note, again, please like and share this video. Uh, leave a review if you're listening to the podcast. And uh, become a subscriber if you want to be uh, notified to uh, next week's video. So until we meet again, uh, thank you for tuning in.